Listening to the flip side with Noah Filipiak, connecting the reality of the gospel to the grit of life. You can support the podcast at patreon.com slash Noah Filipiak or at noahfilipiak.com slash give. What is up, Flipaponami? Welcome to episode 54 of the Flipside Podcast. I have missed you. I am sorry. <laughs> It has been over a month since our last episode, and I, I know you've, you've struggled to get through the month. I know every morning you wake up, you check your podcast app, you refresh five times, wondering, hoping if it is the day of the next Flipside podcast, and that day doesn't come, and you wonder, how will I get through the day? Well, today is the day. That episode 54 has arrived. It is here. And yeah, for real, kind of like I said last time, planting a church. Woo! Yeah, I kind of forgot. It's a little bit of work. (laughs) It's a little bit of work. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of that today. Some of the the stuff God has been teaching me through that. And honestly, today, also funny... A funny thing I said at the beginning of last episode that I'm going to say again is today will be a shorter episode. So normally the episodes are long, an hour and a half, crazy, two hours sometimes because we we put in a big interview and then some content before and after. But today it's just me. It really is a day to touch base, to touch base with you Uh, as an audience. We're going to catch up on the mailbag. But I say that at the beginning I have not recorded the episode yet, so really, I have no idea if it's going to be a short episode or not. I'm not very good at making things short, if you haven't noticed that. But the intention today is to have a short episode. So, uh, a couple things. Uh, The next few episodes, this is episode 54, uh, the next couple episodes we're going to freshen up the format a little bit. So starting next episode, 55, I'm going to be co-hosting with my friend Chase Stansel. Chase is also a pastor of a urban multi-ethnic church plant. His church is about five years old uh, in Grand Rapids. We are very good friends. And I just want to give you a heads up. If you want to email the show, if you want Chase and I to discuss anything together, Uh, I am a white pastor planting an urban multi-ethnic church. Chase is a black pastor who has planted a multi-ethnic urban church. And we will certainly talk about things relating to race and diversity, as well as a whole bunch of other stuff. So if that's a subject that you want to hear some perspective on from a white pastor and a black pastor in the same conversation... Uh, feel free to email the show now. You can email the uh, the podcast, podcast at beyondthebattle.net, and give us some good stuff to talk about, and there is a good chance that Chase and I will talk. Uh, also, and I'm going to open up the mailbag here in a minute of some of the mail that we've gotten uh, and read it to you, uh, but I, I want to give you a quick promo. Uh, I have discovered... A new podcast called the Life on Side B podcast. 
So episode 52 of The Flip Side, I interviewed Nate Collins. He is a gay Christian man who is committed to the traditional biblical sexual ethic of marriage between a man and a woman. He founded a conference called Revoice, and Revoice has become a gathering hub for what is called Side B Christians. And wherever you are at in the conversation, whatever your your beliefs and convictions are about sexualities, particularly homosexuality, the L and the G part of LGBT, or I guess the B as well. Uh, But yeah, I, I really encourage you to check out the Life on Side B podcast. The reason is, whether you agree or disagree, with the stance of of people who call themselves gay or call themselves queer that uh, don't believe the orientation, the attraction is a sin and can make a sound biblical argument for that, but that the the sexual relationship is so so really find themselves in a place where much of the conservative church disagrees or rejects them because of the uh, being I don't I don't, uh, I don't identity might be a word that's that's interpreted different ways but because of of what i just said you know it's it's easier and safer in the conservative world to say well calling yourself gay is wrong or a sin uh, but there's a strong biblical argument that i agree with that the orientation the attraction is not a sin and some choose the uh, the phrase same sex attracted while others just say Look, just going to call it what it is, and my my orientation towards being attracted to the same sex, it, attra- it, it affects all of my life, and it's, it's not a sin. It's not something I chose, and so I'm, I'm not going to associate it with sin because I'm not acting on it. I'm not, I'm not doing the sinful act that the Bible talks about, which is the sexual relationship and so I'm not going to walk in unnecessary shame. And so honestly, for me, as a straight pastor trying to navigate and help LGBT and same-sex attracted uh, Christians follow Jesus, uh, I give a lot of room for the person to to call themselves with, with the biblical conviction that they have, whether it's same-sex attracted or, or gay or queer or whatever it might be. Uh, but predominantly in the side B world, You'll find people that do use the labels of LGBT to describe themselves, but again, are then rejected by the the open and affirming side and or the, ah, the the word secular always makes me cringe a little bit. But but the non the non Christian non believing world uh, who 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 looks at the side B world and says, what you you think having these sexual relationships is wrong? How you know how can you? How can you say that or do that or believe that? And how can you do that even to yourself? And so then they experience rejection from that side as well. So I think a fascinating community and and one that we in the church need to learn from and be reading the books of because their biblical arguments are very sound and I, I believe creates a space in the church for LGBT people to be themselves and to be LGBT and for us as a church to say we love and accept LGBT people while at the same time in this this milkshake where everything or this smoothie 
the smoothie where all these ingredients come into one blender. Uh, the Bible hasn't changed, and so the sexual ethic that sex is for a uh, man and a woman within marriage, that applies to everybody, gay and straight alike, and all of us, single or married, have to figure out how to how to follow that. And so in that sense, we're, we're, we're all in the same boat, kind of. Uh, and, and so it's, it's messy and new, and I think that's, that's what the church is meant to be. And for some, if you don't know anybody who is gay or same-sex attracted, and you haven't heard their story, and, and you still might have the old paradigm that, no, everybody chooses this. You know, yeah, I hear that stuff in the liberal media or in the Christian liberal media, but it's not true. You choose it, so so choose to obey, choose to be straight, you know, etc. And that's just not true. That's just not that's just not the experience of the vast vast majority of LGBT uh, people, particularly LGBT Christians, who have tried to pray this away many times. Uh, and and there, there's a whole other conversation there about the ex-gay movement, which is which I'm not currently uh, getting into because again, I said this would be a short episode. Uh, <laughs> and all this is just to promote a cool podcast that I found that I want to tell you about. It's called the Life on Side B podcast. So now you know what side B is, what that means. And the reason I recommend it, there's a bunch of episodes on there. And I recommend you you open it up, you download the ones that look interesting to you, and it is a way for you to get to know some brothers and sisters in Christ who are gay, lesbian, queer, same-sex attracted, trans, and, and some, like I said, some choose to use some of those labels and some don't, and they have their reasons. And they explain that on there. But it is a way as to hear stories, as a way for you to have a bigger picture of the body of Christ, a bigger picture of a marginalized community. And if you're a pastor or church leader or just a church goer, to ask yourself, okay, does my church have a space for these people? And for you, just to, to me, it, it builds that empathy. It builds the empathy that we need. And again, you you don't have to agree with everything on the podcast. And they say that because within the side B world, there's not agreement on all of these things, nor is there agreement on how to live out all of these things. And there's certain things that I don't agree with about certain elements of the side B world. And that is okay. What I mean by okay, it's 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 okay. We need to have our convictions still and the things we teach biblically, but know that you can still learn a lot from someone that you may not agree with on 100% of things, and that part is okay. That's a part of maturity and learning and growing. So check out the Life on Side B podcast. All right, now we are going to get caught up on the Flipside podcast's mailbag. As always, you can mail, email the show, I should say. You cannot mail the show. You cannot ship us things. But you can email podcast at beyondthebattle.net. Why is that our URL, you might ask? Because I am not buying another URL for this podcast. I have so many URLs already. (laughs) I am a URL buying junkie. So we're sticking with the one we got, podcast at beyondthebattle.net. Let's open up that mailbag. Mail time. 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 
right. This first email is from Nathan. He says, thank you for the recent recommendation of the rise and fall of Mars Hill, which I mentioned last time on episode 53. I remember listening to a few of Mark Driscoll's sermons in high school, particularly the explicitly sexual sermons, and I'm sure it fed my sexual longings in an unhealthy way. So I promptly listened to all of the Fall of Mars Hill episodes. After listening, after finishing your podcast, of course, unfortunately, I think it, the Fall of Mars Hill podcast, may have overtaken your podcast to claim the number three position in my rankings. However, you can regain your position as soon as that series is done. Okay, pause there for a moment. Nathan, that's a little upsetting that you would allow another podcast to take the place of the flip side as your third favorite podcast. All right, that's all. You've been reprimanded. I hope next time I hear from you that we're back to number three, where we belong. All right, let's keep going on the email. For me, the Mars Hill podcast came on the heels of finishing the Jesus and John Wayne book. Together, these resources have helped me to better understand many of the recent events surrounding evangelical Christians by attempting to narrate the people and events that were formative in the creation of the evangelical Christian movement. Uh, I'm going to cut and paste here a little bit from a long email. He says, a recent sermon I heard talked about a ministry, how a ministry can be powerful yet damaging if it is done in the name of Jesus but not in the way of Jesus. Humility, reconciliation, love. The Mars Hill podcast provided many examples of this, as well as many other Christian organizations highlighted in the Jesus and John Wayne book. It feels like Christians can easily assume the moral high ground and forget that Jesus took the lowly position of the servant. And yet I know that I am guilty of this as well. Thank God for Jesus, even if I must be reminded of this every day. So thanks for the great email, Nathan. Yes, I have not read yet the Jesus and John Wayne book. It is on my list. So thanks for that recommendation from uh, what I have gathered. And the author was uh, interviewed several times in the Mars Follow Marshall podcast as well. Uh, but it's it's been a book where you know you have you have these collapses in the evangelical world, and and we can look at them and say, oh no no, those aren't collapses. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. That's not true. You, you have huge epic collapses happening all over the evangelical church movement. And it is, let's, so if you have to be a historical thinking person, the evangelical movement, it is a movement. It is a piece of history. There was a time when there was not an evangelical movement and there will be a time when there is no more evangelical movement. And so there's been all kinds of collapses within the evangelical movement. It does not mean that all of the beliefs and theology of evangelicalism are wrong. What it does mean is that there are systematic problems within the way the evangelical movement was built. So if you have buildings that are collapsing all over your downtown and there's a pattern to how those buildings are collapsing, you would go to the blueprint of those buildings. You would go to the architect who designed those blueprints. You would go to the ingredients that were put into building 
this building, the building materials, and so on. And you would say, oh, that design right there, that one was faulty because it keeps caving in on itself over and over again, which we see in these sexual moral failures. We see in these these you know firings of big name people. Uh, we see in the, the, the Christian nationalism that much of uh, a, a, a large percentage of evangelicalism has breeded over these last five years. And then we see the fallout. We see people leaving the church en masse, deconstructing their faith, leaving Jesus altogether. And books like Jesus and John Wayne come out of that. Uh, the, fall, the rise and fall of Mars Hill come out of that, trying to, to map out how did this happen? And how can we prevent it from happening in the future? And I am all about having a, a critical thinking, honest mindset to say, hey, where has the, the name of Jesus been exalted through this? And where where have we gotten away from the way of Jesus in this? And, and how do we get back to that? Much of the evangelical movement is all about the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation. And what we have to remember is we need to be in a process of constantly being reformed. I don't mean reform theology necessarily. I mean the idea of reforming something. If you are a reformer, you're reforming something back to what is good, what is pure, what the original back to Jesus. And that's not a one-time thing that happened with John Calvin and, and Martin Luther hundreds of years ago. We have to be constantly looking at ourselves, at our own tribes, at the, the tribes that we run with uh, religiously, politically, and say, how are we continually reforming ourselves back to the way of Jesus? And I'm going to pick that thought up a little bit later with sort of the, the short, quote-unquote, uh, topic of the podcast today about doing what God has put on your heart to do, even in spite of the tribes uh, that you run in. So let's keep going with the mailbag. Next email comes from Pete, and he says, something you said toward the end of episode 53, there's always more, jumped out to me. It was a great reassurance along the lines of how Although it can happen this way, we don't need a mountaintop experience, whether it be literal or figurative, to experience God's closeness. The here, right now, in a very real way-ness, the more-ness of God. We don't need a mountaintop experience to experience that realness of God, that closeness of God. He says, one thing that always bothers me, at least a little bit, is how in church services, we always hear the success stories from the stage, but never a story from someone saying, I'm still right in the middle of my brokenness and failure. There's many reasons for this, I'm sure, but my suspicion is that at least part of it has to do with how we, the church, I guess, if I can be that broad, are afraid to highlight what we see as failure. It's like to tell your story. Come on, Pete, don't use like in an email. I mean, like is the cancer of speaking of cancer it is the cancer of our language it is the cancer of our vocabulary it, it is the COVID-19 of of the English language it it comes up from nowhere it sneaks in you're saying like you're 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 ruining cog cognitive sentences by saying like when it does not belong it's often out of your control you, you need uh, intense accountability and maybe I should write my next book on how to remove like from your vocabulary though 
me here i am the failure giving my testimony pete still do it myself though try not to though i live in a household of now four people who also who do it all the time uh no no names shall be mentioned but you can't put it in an email that's totally in your control come on pete you can't just put like in there when it doesn't belong all right where was i pete's my brother by the way so i can yell at him oh okay it's like to tell your story from the stage you have to have struggled with drugs porn adultery cancer depression etc but now you're free and happy and more successful than ever before because Jesus rescued you. So now you're considered a success story. That place is like the inverted reality of what you said so well in the podcast about infinite places to go, but specifically the places that are not farther up, farther and deeper up. God's presence, nearness, power, and mountaintop causing ability to find us and get through to us happens, for me at least, just as much in the way down as any other time. In my life, I've personally never experienced the love and compassion, the patience and tenderness of Christ so much as when I've been drowning in tears, had my hopes or expectations crushed or been pummeled and humiliated by the consequences of sin. He is right there in the most beautiful, unmistakable and powerful way. He loves me as much as ever and is proud of me that I am his son with whom he is well pleased just as much as Christ is his son and well pleased. He shows up every bit as powerfully for us failures who might never make it up onto the stage, but who are held in his loving hands all the same. Beautiful. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for that email. It's very encouraging. And again, you can also email the podcast, podcast at beyondthebattle.net. And most likely I will read what you write on the air and interact with it, whether that is something silly, serious, a question, or just some thoughts that you have. Before I move on, let me take a sip of my delicious, not angry brew today, but Chris's Blend coffee. From Five Lakes, one moment. Ah, there we go. The reason I pause for the... I didn't sip loudly that time, in case my mom is listening. She was irritated last time I did that. Sorry, mom. I have reformed my behavior. See? See, see how that works? How reforming works? I will not sip my delicious Five Lakes coffee into the microphone this time. But I will tell you about it, because, shout out... Five Lakes Coffee, Angry Brew Coffee, sponsor this show, and we are very thankful. If you would like to support the flip side, one way you can do that is go to angrybrew.com or fivelakes.com and use the promo code FLIP, just like the flip side. Flip, and you will get 10% off a bag of, or as many bags as you like, of Angry Brew Coffee which is twice the caffeine of normal coffee. It is coffee with a punch or Chris's blend. Uh, so Angry Brew is a dark roast. Chris's blend is a medium, maybe leaning toward blonde roast, medium roast. And Chris's blend, a dollar of every bag that you purchase goes to an awesome missions orphanage in Venezuela. So angrybrew.com. 
Thank you, Five Lakes Coffee, for sponsoring the show. And again, if you buy coffee there from them, you are for sure uh, supporting the flip side. You're telling them, hey, y'all, you keep supporting that flip side. I like that flip side. They're my third favorite podcast. You got to keep helping them out. So that's pretty awesome. Speaking of helping us out, I am church planting now. I am planting an urban church inner city Grand Rapids. I am intentionally uh, getting a part-time salary from my church. I am also fundraising. Oh, I love fundraising. It is so fun. If there was one thing we I could do all day, it would be fundraising. I mean, the word fun is in the name fundraising. Actually, it's very sarcastic. Fundraising is hard and uncomfortable and awkward hitting up your friends and family for money. You can feel like a salesman, and that's that's not fun. So if you are listening, honestly, and you want to support me, uh, one way you can do that is by supporting this podcast. What, the reason I say that is I'm saying this is not a side hustle. I am leaving room in my career time, being part-time at my church plant, to do the podcast and some other writing and adventures, so to speak. Uh, and this is one way that, that you can support me as an urban church planter. Uh, go to patreon.com slash Noah Philippiak and become a patron. You will get some sweet flip side swag. And if you want to support in a more significant way, shoot me an email or you can go to mosaicgr.org slash give. Again, that is mosaic, like the artwork, gr like grandrapids.org and click on give and man your support would go a long 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 way as we are just starting out that would be awesome so with that let's get to our little little topic little topic conversation that i wanted to talk to you about today and it comes from really my reflections on the last a couple of weeks as I've uh, now no longer employed at the church I was working at, Ada Bible Church, who's been very encouraging, very supportive of me, very thankful for my my two years there, made so many friends, and everybody has been really, really supportive of me planting this church, and and God used that season in a significant way to give me rest and recharge and you could go back in the flip side time machine if you'd like and find I I will try to multitask and find the the uh, let's see if I can find it while I'm stuttering and stammering. Yes, I can. Episode 15 of this podcast, which was exactly two years ago, uh, was titled How an Urban Multi-Ethnic Church Planter Ended Up in Middleville and Working at a Suburban Megachurch. So, hey. I haven't listened to that in two years, but go back and listen to episode 15, and that's what God was doing in my life at the time, and two years later, you could flip that around. How is someone living in Middleville and working at a suburban megachurch now planting an urban multi-ethnic church? (laughs) Uh, But it it certainly was uh, a season of recharge, a season of recalibration, a season of resetting, and a season where God in a way only God could do, in a way that was not on my radar, rekindled my passion for multi-ethnic ministry, for racial reconciliation, racial justice, 
and urban ministry. So here I am. And in those two weeks, you know, I, I've been I've been thinking about there, there, there's some challenges. I talked about tribes earlier. And when I say tribes, I'm talking about, you know, yes, your denomination. I'm talking about even even maybe the the podcasts you listen to, the websites you listen to. And it's it's they're not all bad. You know, things like maybe it's the Gospel Coalition is your tribe or uh, there's there's so many out there, you know, and, and uh, there's it could be your your political allegiances. And when I talk about political nationalism, that could be your tribe. Your tribe could be sort of the the left or it could be the right or you could be the tribe in the middle who says I'm not left or right. Well, that's a, that's a tribe as well. And what I mean by tribes is they're they are there to protect us. And and you think about tribes back in the day, back in back in the ancient Near Eastern time, even as you read the Old Testament, it was a tribal a tribal culture, and you 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 protected your tribe, you protected your family, your people, you you'd killed other people that were trying to harm you, and and what your tribe did was right because it was it was your tribe, and we have that in different ways today, the internet. Social media has certainly been developed around tribes and has has enhanced the ability to create tribes. So even the white supremacist movements, the alt the alt right movements, those came about because of social media to be able to find fringe people with fringe beliefs and then say, hey, you can all meet together on the internet and you're not fringe anymore. Now there's actually a bunch of you. And if we get you all together in one place, we can really, you know, wreak some havoc or whatever it may be. And there's certainly tribes that are, that are much less, uh, you know, less more, you know, harmful than that. Just innocuous tribes that you can find on the internet and other places. But my point to this is as I, as I go to plant a, a church where we are leading with, racial justice. So of course we're leading with the gospel, we're leading with Jesus. But but truly believing that 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 racial justice is not optional, that we live in a world of inequity, an inequity that was built by white lawmakers and that's just fact. It's just historical fact. It's there's no propaganda there. It's not political. You can look at things like the New Deal. You can look at things like the GI Bill. You can look at things like redlining. And, and, and let alone, prior to that, just all of the Jim Crow laws, laws that forced black people into subservient jobs that did not allow them to get employed at higher paying jobs or uh, you know all, all these sorts of things that, that kept them out of white uh, schools, white colleges, you know, all these sorts of things happening, let alone back. It's it's not a matter of, oh, slavery's over. Now everything's equal, which is just a just a I, I don't want to be insulting. I, I want you to be able to receive this if that's been your mindset, because I get it. I I think in many ways I was I was informally raised with that similar mindset, just not necessarily. I don't mean in my, my household. I, I just mean in the culture that I grew up in, the culture of my, you know, kind of whiteness and. I, I do believe that the, the the responsibility of the church is to, if we're following the Bible when it comes to God's commands and demands for justice, we are to look at our cultural landscape and go, okay, 
What are the injustices in our cultural landscape? And there's vast inequity, and it, it certainly invades and pervades the church. And so there, there's a lot more to talk about there, and maybe Chase and I will talk about some of that. And if you have questions, like I said, shoot us an email, podcast at beyondthebattle.net. I'd love to talk through it. But as I talk about it, even as I talk to you about it, and I know that that so, – so I wrote a book, uh, you know, Beyond the Battle, uh, on – I don't, I don't like the word sexual purity because of all the baggage that comes along with that. But but fighting sexual temptation, fighting finding freedom from pornography, um, finding contentment in your marriage, contentment in your singleness, and these are messages that are that are well received by the conservative white church. And the the message I just talked about racial justice and and the history of our country that has built these inequities. Let's just be real. That's not a message that's well received by all of the white conservative church. Certainly by some, but but not by all. And so as I've been fundraising the last couple of weeks, and sometimes I, I, I wonder sometimes and go, you know, I am in some ways, I'm alienating myself from the tribe that culture has put me in. That you know, and, and and we are really born into a tribe. And as you as you get older, you can, you have some you have some choice in switching tribes. And and but but let's be honest that the culture you're born into is always going to influence the tribe that that you associate with. If you if you're born in Saudi Arabia or Iran or China or Mexico or Oconomowoc, Wisconsin, which is where I was born. Uh, those places are going to, that's a, it's a real place and it's all O's. They're, the only vowel in Oconomowoc is an O. That's, that's a pretty fun word to spell, but the place you're born is going to influence the tribe that you are in. And, and then you're going to, you might move away and the people you meet there and the, the, the influences on your life might, might shift and change, or they may not the tribe that, that, or tribes that you that you associate with. And so I realized that as I am am leading with this message, uh, there is an alienation of the tribe that is most safe and most comfortable. I'm not saying that, that I'm opposing that tribe. I'm saying that I think and I feel that some within that tribe will begin to reject me because they're not up on this message necessarily. So I'm more talking about an internal dialogue, an internal insecurity that comes with when God has put something on your heart to do and you wrestle with it because you go, if I do that, God, it's going to alienate me from my tribe. And my tribe is where I find my safety and my security. And so that's who I want to talk to today in these next few minutes. If you're listening and God has put something on your heart to do and you know it's from God and typically if God has put something on your heart to do, it will be something that upsets the apple cart. It will not be something that is status quo, that just goes with the flow of what your tribe and culture tells you is normative. It could be any number of things. I don't know. Maybe it's going into the mission field. Maybe it's going 
to another country. Maybe it's going to, you know, quit your well-paying job and work for a nonprofit. Maybe it's, oh, may the Lord have mercy on you if it is, having to fundraise. Oh, <laughs> fundraising for some kind of ministry job. I don't know, but God's put something on your heart to do. Maybe it's something that isn't as public for now. Maybe he wants you to write a book. Maybe he wants you to spend a lot of time making art. And you're afraid because you're not sure if it's going to be any good. And you're you're afraid of failure. You're afraid of rejection. Let me tell you what, guys and gals, I'm trying to, folks, y'all, uh, friends, I, I'm afraid of failure. I am afraid of rejection. <laughs> and there's muscles that we don't use very often when we're in our tribe. We don't have to use the muscles uh, that go up against resistance, failure, uh, rejection. And those muscles are really important to use when God has put something on your heart to do. Now, uh, God's put something on your heart to do. Let's stop for a second. Let's make sure, first of all, it lines up with Scripture and that it's truly God speaking these things to you, that the, as the Holy Spirit speaks to you, he's going to speak consistently with his word and scripture. I would talk to some friends and mentors that you really respect, even though I'll be real, that's a little bit dangerous because, or, or tricky, risky, because hey, if they're in your tribe, they, they might just tell you to toe the line of your tribe. But I'm going to trust you and the Holy Spirit to figure that out. If God has put something on your heart to do, there's a good chance that it's going to go up against the safety and security of your tribe and that you will get resistance from your tribe if you do it. And so, pausing to take a drink of water, I don't, I'm not going to make Travis go edit that out. Shout out to Travis who edits these episodes. Flipsiders, you can handle a couple seconds of silence. Sorry, I was going to make a dumb comment and I'm not going to. Let's get back on track. All right. So uh, a couple Bible verses that have that have been just encouraging to me and I want to share them with you. Galatians 1.10. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. <laughs> Let's just think about that for a second. Paul wrote that, and that dude, everybody rejected him, right? He was a Pharisee. He was a leader within the Pharisees. He's trying to persecute Christians. He's approving the killing of Christians. And then he obviously has this dramatic conversion. He becomes a leader in the church, and nobody knows what to do with him. Now the other Pharisees are going, well, now he's a Christian. We reject him. And the Christians are going, yeah, but he's a Pharisee trying to kill us. We're not so sure about him. We reject him. And it's, it's, he's not really an apostle. He he did, he did wasn't one of the 12, so we reject him. We're not sure what to do with his words. And Paul's in the middle of this these church politics about who's the most popular. And we're going to listen to Peter. We're going to listen to Apollos. We're going to listen to Paul. I'd, I'd listen to Apollos, personally. That's a sweet name. Apollos. I mean, that is a, that is a name of a superhero. That is a cool name. How do we not name our kids that? Anyway, <laughs> that's that's beside the point. Paul here is going, look, am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? 
I'm, this is, I'm not out to become a celebrity. I don't care about my Twitter followers. I don't care how many books I sell. Am I trying to please people? My mission is not to please people. He goes as far as says, if I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. He pits those two things against each other. You are either a servant of Christ or you are trying to please people. You cannot be both. Woo. All right, that's, that is some strong, strong stuff. And what a guide to us that struggle with that insecurity and fear of failure and rejection. 1 Corinthians 4, verses 3 to 4, also from Paul. He says, I care very little if I am judged by you or by any human court. Indeed, I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear, but that does not make me innocent it is the Lord who judges me. Now, again, he's saying, I don't care if I'm judged by you or by any human court. Yeah, you're going to put me in court. You're going to judge me. And I don't care. Indeed, I don't even judge myself, but that does not make me innocent. It is the Lord who judges me. Now, I have to sit here and say, I do care. I wish I didn't care, but I do care. And I want to get to a point where I say, I don't care. That's true freedom. But I can say, I don't care enough where it is stopping me from doing what God is telling me to do. And that's what I want to encourage you with. Getting to a point where if God is telling you to do something, and this honestly, you know, it's not always about tribe, though, though this is a different type of tribe. God's telling you to share your faith with your neighbor, share your faith with your coworker, to tell somebody about Jesus. And you're just going, I can't. I care too much what they think of me. And you got to look at these verses and say, I don't, I care very little if I'm judged by you. I'm not trying to win the approval of human beings. I'm trying to serve Christ. And so tactfully with grace, within a loving relationship with that person where you value them, you tell them about Jesus. You share Christ with them. You, sh you, 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 you give them the good news of Jesus in a way that the Holy Spirit tells you to do it. And I mean, th th this stuff affects us on every level. One more that I want to read. Acts chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. It says, Then they called them in again, speaking of the, the 12, the disciples that are, that are shared. This is in the book of Acts. And, and not just the 12, this could have been, this could have been, uh, actually, let, let me look at the actual context. Sorry that I didn't do this before. Specifically speaking of Peter and John. Okay, Peter and John, it says, but then they called them in, not editing that out either. We're good. That's why I flip sides your third favorite podcast, not your first or second. I get it. All right. They called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Bam. Booyah. Mic drop from Peter and John. Look, they're talking to the religious leaders. Sometimes God will tell you to do something and your religious leaders will say, oh, no, we don't do that. That's not how the power system works within this religious system. And what you need to say is, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. 
As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. So I want to fan that flame of faith in you. I think that is how almost all of the great movements of faith have come about, is people that have had that type of faith, that type of attitude. In the early church, that's how the church spread. It was that type of attitude. We're going to say and do what God told us to do. In the Reformation, that's how it happened. Uh, People saying, we're going to do what God told us to do. We're going to do what the scriptures tell us to do. The civil rights movement, you have Martin Luther King, you have the black church who's saying, we're going to do what God told us to do, even when the white church was against them, by and large, vast majority. Talk about speaking against a tribe, a tribe of of the church and saying, no, we're going to do what God told us to do. It's amazing that almost all of the civil rights leaders throughout the history of post-slavery, Jim Crow era, Sojourner Truth, uh, Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, many others were, were outspoken Christians. These people were saying, I, this goes against my God, this, this, this injustice, this inequity. It, these Ill, these unjust laws, it goes against my God, my Bible, my Jesus, and, and, and I'm straight from the text. And so they're saying, I don't care what the church says is right. I don't care what my government says is right. I care what God says is right. This is what it looks like to obey God and to follow Jesus. And there is so much inspiration in our modern day that we can learn from that. I know I get a ton of inspiration from that. So I hope you do as well. If you are listening and God has put something on your heart to do, just do it. Do it. (laughs) I mean, do it. Do it, do it, do it, do it. It it may not work. You, you, You might fail, but guess what? You are still a beloved son or daughter of God, and his love for you will not change. To me, the only failure is not trying. The only failure is is saying, no, it's too risky. No, the safety of my tribe is too much. Uh, I'm going to choose I'm going to choose my tribe, my safety, my security over what God is telling me to do. So what has God put in your heart to do? Do it. Do it. I just want to encourage you with that. And I'm preaching to myself here. I'm just speaking candidly, transparently. This is what God has been encouraging me with. I've had friends as I've shared kind of my own struggle through these insecurities. Friends have encouraged me with this message. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to encourage my podcast listeners with this message as well. Okay. That sound, if you're new to the show, is your warning. The warning is that all serious conversation is now coming to an end so it is your warning to stop listening if if you are interested in serious spiritual conversation enlightening empowering uplifting mature conversation if you are a well-rounded well-respected knowledgeable person this is your time to just click off of the episode we thank you for listening have have a great day we'll see you next time because from here on out is is nothing but 
ridiculousness. It is now time for a little segment of the show that we like to call Noah's Rant. Noah's Rant. All right. All right, Flip Eponymi. Today's rant. We're going to be talking about actually we're just gonna be talking to we're just we're not gonna talk about we're gonna go straight to talking to iceberg lettuce for real though for real for real for real iceberg lettuce what are you why do you exist you are not a vegetable vegetables are healthy Vegetables actually do something for your body. They have vitamins in them. Iceberg lettuce has none of those things. Iceberg lettuce is the food equivalent of water, except that water is essential to life. Iceberg lettuce is essential to nothing. Iceberg lettuce is a faux vegetable. Faux is a great word, by the way. It is spelled F-A-U-X. And when you use it, you sound really cool. There once was a hairdo called a faux hawk. It was like a mohawk, but a fake a fake mohawk. I think I sported a faux hawk for a moment in the early 2000s, like some of you did as well. Well, iceberg lettuce, you are a faux vegetable. You are a false vegetable. You are a poser vegetable. You are an imposter vegetable. If you, listener, think you are eating healthy, by eating iceberg lettuce in a salad. You are wrong. You are incorrect. You are not eating healthy. The only thing iceberg lettuce is good for is giving a little crunch to a sandwich or hamburger. And and let's be honest, that's not that great of a purpose in life. If you think that putting a piece of iceberg lettuce on your Big Mac somehow gives you a vegetable in the food groups that you've covered all your bases, you got another th- another thing coming. Here's here's a thing about iceberg lettuce that drives me nuts. I personally am a person who likes to eat healthy. Mock me if you like, judge me if you like. I don't care. I I don't I, I already talked to you. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or am I trying to please people? I care very little if I'm judged by you or any human court. I do not care what you think of me. I eat healthy. When I go out to eat at a restaurant, I eat healthy. And so sometimes, not always, but sometimes I will order a salad. Let me tell you what. There is nothing more infuriating in life. There is nothing that would get my blood boiling more in life than a salad that has iceberg lettuce in it. Because if I am going to... Buy a salad, first of all, at a restaurant, which is not cheap because nothing at a restaurant is cheap. We're talking $12, $13, $15 sometimes for a salad, and it comes out with iceberg lettuce. Do you know iceberg lettuce is the cheapest vegetable? If you go to the store to buy iceberg, I don't even know what they cost because I would never buy them. You You couldn't pay me to take home an iceberg lettuce. They're probably 50 cents at the store, at the grocery store, whereas a head of romaine lettuce which actually has nutrients in it or spinach leaves or kale or mixed greens, you're going to pay around $2 because you're actually buying a food 
that helps your body. So the restaurant brings you a salad filled with iceberg lettuce. And you've paid $14 for it. The restaurant just made 8,000% profit on your salad. But here's the thing. If you are, I'm trying to be nice. It's hard in Noah's rant to be nice. I'm trying to use a nice word. If you are uninformed, there's a good word. If you are uninformed enough to order a salad with iceberg lettuce in it, that's one thing. If the restaurant tells you that there is iceberg in your salad, if it says it in the menu. But here's what happens, and you often see this at bars, you know, these kind of sports bar and grill, or or you're out in the country, and uh, you know, there's kind of only a couple places to eat in town, and 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 so they're trying hard to serve real food at this bar, and in the picture. There's a photo. We're talking picture. We're talking in the court of law. Exhibit A. We have evidence. We have proof. A picture of what this salad looks like. Maybe it's some kind of chicken, uh, you know, grilled chicken salad or, or whatever it might be. And in the picture is romaine lettuce. In the picture are mixed greens. And as you, as you read the description, it describes mixed greens in the description of the salad that you order. And when the salad comes out, what is in the salad but a giant bowl of iceberg lettuce? Brothers and sisters, friends and family, men and women, boys and girls, this is a travesty. This injustice must stop. I don't know how many times that has happened to me at a restaurant. Speaking of restaurants that serve you iceberg lettuce as a salad, you know the worst culprit of these, these injustices? Pizza places. Pizza places. Let's talk for a moment now that we're on the subject of salads. The... <laughs> If you order a salad from a pizza place, do you know what you're actually getting? You're going to get iceberg lettuce, a whole bunch of it, because it costs a dime. And then everything else in your salad will be pizza toppings. So you're going to get a salad. It's going to have black olives from the can. It's going to have diced green peppers. It's going to have some onions. And that's and then and then you know always the the yellow shredded cheese somehow they you know they manage to get that in there for their salad and that's it that's your salad from a pizza place sometimes they'll throw mushrooms in there and you go look if <laughs> this is not a salad this is iceberg lettuce with a bunch of weird pizza toppings on it that nobody would ever actually put in a salad take this off your menu stop selling salads at your pizza place. If you're not actually going to serve a salad. So guys, this is just about this is just about not lying. That's really what Noah's rant is about. It is about bringing morality back to our culture and to stop lying about the food that we are serving. And that's what Noah's rant's for. It's here to make the world a better place. And as I mentioned, uh, I'm I know that iceberg lettuce itself is listening. So to iceberg lettuce, I, I say to you. You need to stop existing. You need to evolve into something else. You need to just stop. Farmers, whoever's out there, farmers that keep planting the seeds for iceberg lettuce, please stop. 
please stop. You're you're making the world a worse place, not a better place. Please stop. Please plant romaine lettuce. Please plant mixed greens. Please plant arugula. That's a good word. Please plant kale. Please plant anything else but iceberg lettuce. Restaurants, please stop lying. If you have a picture on your menu of romaine lettuce in a salad, and I order that salad, please serve me a salad with romaine lettuce in it so that my body can become strong, so that I can give nutrients to my hardworking heart and mind and lungs, and that I can live to see my grandchildren someday. Please, please do that for me. As you know, flip side, flip upon a mine. Noah's rant exists to make the world a better place. And I truly believe we have done that today. So thank you for listening. This has been episode 54 of the Flipside Podcast. Email the show, podcast at beyondthebattle.net. If you have questions for Chase and I for next episode, check out angrybrew.com. Pick up yourself some coffee. Use promo code FLIP. And I will see you next time on the Flipside. The Flip Side with Noah Filipiak is a South Francis Press production. Copyright Noah Filipiak. www.noahfilipiak.com. Theme music by Kyle Lake at K Lake Music. Use with permission. Please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. Yow, yow, dripping in that gall that don't perish. People selling fake, see the green around their belly. Taking refuge in his hand, see his poems, my living quarters. Close them when I'm finished, then it's time to bring me closer. There's no purgatory, cause you're in or you're out. When you see him in the clouds, then you know it's going down. Raise them, raise them, raise them. They've been sleeping for some ages. Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred. Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list. Money probably long, but short is with your days. Have you ever heard the sound of freedom? Then I hope you see him clearly. Raise him, raise him, raise him. They've been sleeping for some ages. Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred. Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list. Money probably long, but sure.